drop the blue cards in there and they will get to staff. Before we go any further in the service, we just want to take a minute and let you know a few things that are going on in the life of our church so that you know how to get more involved. In 2020, our goal as a church is to read through the Bible chronologically. This is an opportunity for us as a church to make God's Word central to our lives and devote ourselves to knowing the Bible and applying it to our lives. We will start the reading plan tomorrow morning, and for the rest of the year, all Sunday school lessons and sermons will be centered around that plan. You can pick up the reading plan in the Welcome Center, or you can find it on the YouVersion Bible app. The reading plan is called Reading God's Story one year chronological plan. If you have any questions about the plan or how to study the Bible, don't hesitate to call the church office and we would be happy to answer any questions for you. As we start the new year and the new Bible reading plan, I just want to encourage you to get into a small group if you're not currently a part of one. We have small groups that meet on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. These are great ways to get to know a small group of people in the church and study the Word of God to together. If you have questions about what groups to join, go to fbccookville.org slash groups and you will find the information there. Feel free to also call the church office and we can get you set up. My last announcement is our new Pray Give Go partner of this month, which is the Cookville Pregnancy Clinic. The CPC does incredible work with families in our community that are going through really difficult times. I'd encourage you to look at your chronicles today and see how you can pray, give, go to this impactful ministry. That's all the announcements I have for today. Here at FPC, our vision is that every person would desire God, be discipled, and devote themselves to serve. I pray that this service would play a part in that vision and help you live for Christ in your day-to-day life. Thank you. Good morning. How are you all doing this morning? morning. I will say, the 8 a.m., at 8 a.m. was more awake than you guys just sounded. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. I know it might still be early for some of you, but we're really thankful you are here today. If this is your first time at First Baptist, I'd encourage you just to grab a blue card in front of you and write down some basic information so we can thank you for coming. On the back of that card, there's a place to put prayer requests. Anyone, guest or member, can write down a prayer request, and tomorrow morning the staff is going to take some time and pray over those. So when the offering plate goes by, just go ahead and drop those in there, and they will get to the staff. A couple things I just want to highlight. First is if you're passionate about kids and basketball and seeing kids come to know Christ, um, we're looking for some more volunteers for Upward Basketball. And so if you're interested in that, just reach out to Philip Reinke, and he will get you uh, connected with that. And then tomorrow morning, we're all going to start the reading plan together as a church. And so, you know, it's a new year. If you haven't really been diligent reading God's Word before, I just want to encourage you, commit to it now. Um, it's, a, it's a huge discipline that is blessed me greatly in my life. And so I'd encourage you to start with the church tomorrow morning on the reading plan. If you have any questions about that, um, feel free to call the church office if you want help getting started on the app. There's going to be a few guys at the Welcome Center right after service that can help you do that. So why don't we take a minute and welcome those around us. So go ahead and stand and greet those around you.
All right, I came into 2020 and had a cold, so I'm struggling a bit today, hopefully. So I need you guys to sing at the top of your lungs and let your voices be heard by the Lord this morning. our solid rock that we stand on Christ. He was that chief cornerstone uh, that we lay our foundation upon. And we find out through the Bible that he says many things about who we are. We know he is a great God, but he says that we are his chosen ones. If we know him, we belong to him. So this next song talks about that, just talks about uh, celebrating the fact of, of we are who God says we are in the song called Who You Say I Am. Thank you. 
just thank you so much. As that last phrase says, in my Father's house, there's a place for me. Lord, what a better phrase to show that we belong to you other than that you have a place that you've prepared for us, for those who know you, who have given our lives to you. And Lord, what a joy and a comfort it is to know that in a world that seems to be going crazy uh, and turning their backs towards you. Uh, Lord, we know that we have safety in you. We know that we have peace in you. We know that we have a place with you. And Lord, one day that will be face to face. But God, I pray that while we're here on this earth, Lord, that our vision would be just totally focused on you. Lord, that as we're setting off onto a new year, God, that we would readjust our sights. Uh, Lord, to put everything uh, that we rely on, all the things that we hope for, to be you, Lord. Uh, not to be found, not our hope be found in, in a job or in, in uh, or anything else, Lord, but just totally in you. So, God, as we sing this next song, may we be reminded that our vision is you. In Jesus' name, amen.
you are our vision. And Lord, may we never forget it. May we never take it for granted that you're the one to keep our, our eyes. You're the one that we are to keep our eyes on in all situations and in all things. So we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
Thank you, choir. Hey, if you will, turn with me in your copy of God's Word to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 will be our text for today. It is a new year and we gather together at a new time in our lives, a new place, a new year. We uh, have 2019 behind us and I sit and think for a moment, wow, how fast that happened. Anybody else feel that way? 2019 kind of got away from you. <laughs> and here we are at 20, 2020 and uh, we, we're looking at vision. I love this Sunday every year where when we gather and on the first Sunday of our church here together, we look at our vision. We revisit that vision, understand that vision, and it is imperative that we know vision and, and where we're going together. Um, the Bible tells us, where there is no vision, people perish. I have to have some direction in my life. I have to have a vision for what lies before me, where I'm going. I work best that way. I believe most of us do. We, we're visionary people. If we see it, we can go after it. If we, if we have some direction, some focus, we can, we can attain it. We can go after it. And uh, I was, I'll never forget, uh, as long as I'm in ministry, I, I pray that this one, this, this time will never leave my mind. I'll always remember it. Um, I was in, in the previous church I pastored in Wren's Baptist. And what a great church. And God had done a whole lot of work there. And I'd been there probably at this point in time, probably four, four and a half years, uh, maybe coming up on five. I'd been there. And God had given me five specific things to accomplish when I was at Wren's Baptist. And, and those five things, uh, he was very clear. It was as if he were sitting before me when, when I understood those five things, speaking them directly to me. I, I'd recorded those five things. I knew that was my vision. I knew that's what I was supposed to go after doing. And, and I worked and led the church to accomplish those five things. And the church was just great in doing that. And God was great in, in being a part of that with us. And no, at the end of the day, we've got five things accomplished. And I was like, okay, God, what's next? And, and I was at that point where I understood we had accomplished what he called me to do the best I knew, but we had come to the end of that understanding of what was next. And I was like, okay, God, you know me. I, I have to have vision. I have to have something out before me. I, uh, if I've got an idea where we're going, I, I'll lead hard and passionately after it. But I, I've, I've kind of come to the end of that understanding, God. So I prayed diligently for a period of time seeking God to say, what's next? And uh, one day I was sitting in my office, and, and I can remember the, the temperature of the air. I can remember what it looked like outside. I, it was just one of those moments in time where you just, you just get caught in the moment. And uh, it was as if God were sitting there beside me, and he spoke three things to me. And as fast as I could write uh, to the understanding of what I was grasping from him, I was just writing it down. Because I was happy. I'd come to the place in my life where I'd pray, God, show me what's next. Show me what's next. And, and, and he showed me, he finally showed me the next step. He said three things to me. He said, create an environment where people desire me. And disciple them in the word of God, making disciples of people who make disciples. And then lead them to devote themselves completely and wholeheartedly to serve me. I'm writing that down. I'm like, yes, man, that, that makes sense. I even being a hunter and, and all that, I even put a, a, a mind game to it real quick. Three D's, three D, three dimensional. I thought about uh, all of that came to mind. And I started writing and thinking about all that. And, and I said, God, I'm so glad you've given me something to, to carry forth here at Wren's Baptist. And I know where to carry the church. And the next thing he said was not here. 
I was like, uh-oh. Because <laughs> when God says not here, that means he's got somewhere. And, and I realized at that moment that my life was fixing to transition, my family's life was fixing to transition. And at some point in the future, God would open up the place where those, those three Ds would be impressed and understood and embraced as vision. And God led me to Cookville, Tennessee, a place I had never heard of before in my entire life. But that's where God wanted that to be unfolded. That's, that's the vision for uh, First Baptist Cookville, Tennessee. He wanted me to come here and, and, and be a part of bringing this vision and, and planting this in our hearts and, and seeing it come to fruition. So uh, we, we journeyed for the last, uh, this is four and a half years, we've journeyed together on that vision of desire, disciple, devote. And, and it is my heart uh, just fully to journey with you in life, to see you personally and, and congregationally come around a desire for God. And, and as we build that desire within our own life and, and we come together to worship Him in that desire, then others in this world will see and experience that desire that we have for God. And that light will shed light on others who are in darkness. And we will, because we have a desire for Him, want to know Him more completely more fully as we journey together. So we'll dive into his word together and, and, and we'll be discipled in his word and we'll, we'll make disciples and, and not only that, but we'll surrender our life fully, completely, individually, and then corporately come together devoting ourselves, one, to surrender to God and then two, to service to God. So we, we devote our lives. So that, that's the message that God has implanted in my life and, and brought to this church as our vision that we, we do this, we desire, disciple, and devote. And we have, over the last couple of years, seen that come so bright and so fresh and see God do amazing things through that. So as, as we walk through that journey together, we, uh, we, we're going to embark on something this year that, that is going to be just exciting to me. I'm, I'm really excited about it. We're going we're gonna to go uh, to God's Word. And you say, well, we're always going to be people of the book. We've always studied God's Word. But we're going to walk Genesis to Revelation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to Revelation chapter 22. We're going to cover it from, from one end to the other this year. We're going to look at God's story. And uh, we're going to, every message is going to be preached about the Word of God as we read it chronologically together. We're going to take the time to sit down daily as a church. And, and individually, we're going to read God's Word. Then we're going to come together and our small groups are going to talk about it. Uh, the sermon is going to be about it. And uh, so it, it's just going to be a year where we dive in to God's Word together and grow in our desire for Him and grow in discipleship and grow in devoting ourselves to serve. So let's look at a text this morning that points us completely in that direction. And if you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, did I tell you all to do that already? Good. Okay, I'm glad because I could have easily forgotten to tell you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. But 2 Timothy chapter 3 will be our text for today. And I'm going to read the whole chapter through our time together this morning. But I just want to start off in verse 16 and 17. So if you will, please stand with me. Let's read God's Word together. Chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, verse 16. Maybe this is very familiar to you. I hope you know this text. If not, I hope you will walk through this and... and, and let this etch into your heart. All Scripture, not some Scripture, not most Scripture. Folks, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, 
for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Father, we thank you for your love for us. Lord, what an amazing God you are. We, we've sung about you and your redemptive work and your love for us this morning. Now we turn to your word and we, we seek you, Father, in your word to speak into our hearts. And I pray, Lord, as you're going to speak to me, you're going to speak to every single person in this room that will turn their attention to you. You're going to reveal yourself to us, your desires for us. You're going you're to speak into our hearts. God, I pray that we would respond accordingly. Uh, which is appropriately to your word being implanted in our hearts this morning. Father, I'm grateful that you appoint a time for us. Uh, you've done this. You've, you've appointed a time that is right for us to come together as a congregation on a regular basis, God, to, to just exalt your name, praise you, worship you, learn more about you, and apply that to our lives. Thank you for appointing the time. God, I just pray that you would anoint me as I speak your word. That which you have spoken to me, Father, and uh, Lord, entrusted to me. I don't take that lightly. I'm grateful, God, to stand before you and preach your word. I pray, God, that your word touches our hearts. And that none of us leave here the same as we came. But changed and transformed under the anointing that only comes from you. Lead us to be the people that you have called us to be. In Christ's name, and all God's people said, Amen. I don't, I don't take what I do lightly. Um, I, I love what I do. I love the privilege that I have. Uh, to serve as pastor of a church is just an amazing privilege uh, granted by God. To be able to stand here and proclaim His truths and His Word. What an amazing God we have. What an amazing Word we have. I, I pray that as we look at this together right now and as we walk through this year together, that it is a year of growth in our hearts. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to read through the Bible chronologically with um, with Renz. And, and I remember 2012 as clear as if it were yesterday. And I, I know that that was one of the greatest years of growth and unity in the life of Grins Baptist. And uh, I, I just, as I walked away from that year and saw all that God did through that, I, I, prayed, I prayed numerous times. I, don't, I couldn't even begin to put a number to it. God, let me do that again one day. And, and when that time is right, show me that time. And uh, we're here, and it's exciting that we get to study God's Word together this year and just see what God's going to do through His Word as we chronologically work through His Word and read the story and apply that to our lives. So let me just step aside for a moment and challenge you to be engaged this year and, and to study God's Word. It, it may come in your life where the wheels fall off the bus. Anybody ever had that happen? I mean, life just happens. And, and you're like, oh, wow, I, I didn't see that coming. And you may get distracted or uh, diverted along the journey, but don't, don't let that derail you completely. Pick back up, get back engaged. Let's do this together 
and let's study God's Word. Let me, let me show you how God's Word unfolds for us this morning. Here in Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, we see that all Scripture, and, and I, I emphasize that on the beginning, not just some Scripture, not most Scripture, but every single word was God-breathed. God, God literally, if we go to Genesis chapter 1, we see that when God spoke, things happened. Okay, God spoke. He, he breathed in. He breathed out in, in form of speaking, and when God spoke, He spoke things into creation. Okay, God is, God is powerful in His voice. Okay, He spoke out of absolutely nothing. He spoke into creation. When He breathes, He breathes out His Word, and, and He speaks. So all of God's Word, everything that we have from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the first letter, all the way to the very end, the last dot in the Bible, every single bit of that is God-breathed. Okay, the God that created, don't miss this, the God that created the things in the depth of the sea that you and I cannot even begin to explain and fully understand to the highest of highs of the galaxies beyond us that, that he set in their place and that do what they are doing and have done for all of time, those things that God created were created by him speaking into existence, all of that. And the God that can do all of that is very capable of getting his word to your heart and mind. So he has brought to us a, a word that is God-breathed. It's not man-breathed. It's not man-written. Man might have actually penned it, but it was under the inspiration of God. God breathing through that man, that person, to write down his words. And God's very capable of getting that right in our hearts as we read the Word, and, and He brings it to us. So we see all Scripture is inspired by God, literally breathed by God, and it is profitable. It has a, a profitability to us to read God's Word. There's a, there's a purpose. When we read God's Word, it is purposeful. It does a work in us. How many of you love reproof and correction? Not many of us love reproof and correction. But we do like training and teaching. We sign up for teachings and we sign up for trainings. We go after that. We, we want to be educated. We want to know. We want to understand. So we go after those things. But along with that, God says, your life has been in a direction that is not correct. So I have to bring some reproof in my teaching and my training of you. The Word comes to you and teaches you and trains you. I have to bring some reproof. I have to bring some correction along the way to realign you, to reset your sights, to focus you on what matters in your life. So I'm going to do this through my Word. And all of it is profitable for that. Not just some of the Word of God is profitable for that. All of the Word of God is profitable for that. Even the begats. Okay? You're like, man, why do why we have to read all of that? There's profit in that. Okay, we won't go into that. I could really run that rabbit. I'm going to back off for a minute. But we, we see that God's Word is, all of it is inspired. All of it is profitable for correction, for reproof, for teaching, for training. Why? So that we can be equipped. Equipped. We're unequipped. We're, we're, not, we're not complete. We're, we're inadequate. We're not adequate. You may think you're adequate apart from God. But newsflash, you may not want to grasp this, but honestly, you are inadequate if you do not have God's Word in your life. And, and you say, well, Scott, I don't understand that. Well, let me tell you. Let me just give you a visual. Jesus dealt with a woman at the well. And this woman came to that well every day because she was thirsty. 
I get thirsty every day. But she came every day to that well. And Jesus looked at her and said, if you'll drink of me, of the living water, you'll thirst no more. Now, he's not just talking, he's not talking about her physical need for water. She still needed physical water every day. But the spiritual side of her was incomplete, and she was searching in all the world for ways to fill her life. And he was saying, if you'll drink of me, if you'll come to me, if you'll take me in your life and surrender yourself to me, then I'll fill the void and you'll never thirst any longer. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we got people all over this world, all over this room that are seeking so many ways to fill the void that God created for him to reside in, in your life and mine. We're we're trying it in all different manners of life to fill this void and we can't fill it because we're not looking in the right place. We remain inadequate until we surrender our life to the full work of Jesus and let him take over the space that he designed to reside in our life. So we see this in this text right off the bat that we are given the opportunity to come before the Creator who speaks His Word. Every bit of it's inspired by Him and it's profitable for us to make us adequate, to, to complete us, to equip us, to bring us to a place where we're fulfilled. But I want you to see that we're driven completely by our desires. Do you understand that? You are driven... I am driven by my desires. If I don't desire something, I don't go hard after it. But what I desire, I'm going after. I want to show you there's, there's two different kinds of desires in this world. We have things that are of God and things that are not of God. And we're either going to desire the things of God or we're going to desire the things that are not of God. It's just going to happen in our life. And, and we're, going to, we're prone to that. We're, we have a propensity, propensity towards that. So we see that our life is growing shorter. He started, go back to verse 1 with me in that same chapter, chapter 3. It says, but realize this, that the last days, that in the last days, difficult times will come. I don't know if we're in the last days. But we're one day closer today than we were yesterday. Okay. I know that Jesus is coming back for his church. No doubt he's coming back. He told us that. And he is a God of promise. He's good for his promise. He's coming back. I don't know when he's coming, but he's coming. I know we're closer today than we were yesterday. Therefore, it just bids me to recognize that my life is drawing to a close. Your life is drawing to a close. Be it by either Jesus returns or I leave this earth and go and reside with him for eternity. I know my life is coming to an end. That should drive me to look at what I desire and where my desires are pointed towards, what I'm focusing on, what I'm trying to achieve, what you're trying to achieve in life. And, and see, he's speaking to Timothy. He says, you've got to realize this, Timothy. In the last days, difficult times will come. And then it's as if Paul stepped into 2020 and began to read about or speak about what is evident in our life. And, and honestly, it's been evident for a long time. He says this, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. 
holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. Does that sound like something really fresh to you? Really relevant to our society? I don't have to look far in my life. I don't have to look far in this world to see all of those attributes at play. Because people have their desires in the wrong place. Paul is saying to Timothy, man, there are worldly desires. There, there are desires of this world that people are running hard after. And, and when they do, it's going to be devastating because there's going to be difficult days. Difficult days come when we, when we now don't desire the things that God designed us for, but we desire the things that God designed us not to be a part of. Difficult days come. We walk in greater difficulty. He, he says that this will happen. Men become lovers of themselves. There's 18, 18 things that Paul talks about here that are so relevant in our world. And probably to you in this room, many of these apply. It is, it is a constant battle to not love me. Anybody else deal with that? Nobody wants to admit it. I'm the only one that, there's a few of you that are nodding, but I mean, we really, we don't like to admit, but I mean, I, I, there, there's a constant battle for all of us because we know us, we, we, we think about money. It's a constant battle in this world not to love money. Now, money is not evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. So the, the undergirding, the foundation, that which evil grows from, is money, the love of that. When we love money and we love ourselves, we're not designed, we're not created, we weren't placed in this world to be lovers of ourselves. We were to love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That's, that's the, our first priority in life is to love Him. I'm going to tell you, you won't love Him if you don't know Him. But when you know Him, when you study God, when you, when you read His Word, when you recognize that he, he not only was a lover of other people, He's a lover of you. He looked down for, from heaven, and, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God knew the day that Jesus hung on a cross at Calvary and shed His blood for my sin and yours. God knew we would commit that sin. He said, I love you enough to pay your penalty for you and put my son on that cross. And bring a brutal death upon him so that he could make atonement for your sin. And so that you could surrender your life to him. And you could know me in a personal relationship. And the image which I bore in you in creation that I explained to you in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 27. Let us make mankind in our own image. That was marred by sin, but I'm going to redeem that. I'm going to redeem that for you. I'm going to help redeem the image that I put in you. So we see that people are lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful and arrogant. They're, they're revilers. They're, they're verbal abusers. Have you ever recognized anybody to be a verbal abuser? There are verbal abusers in our world today. There are people who are verbally abusive. And Paul's talking about that. Why, is, why, why are people verbally abusive? Because they're, they're desirous for the things of the flesh and for the things of this world and not the things of God. 
And he says, you know, this is the result of that. Difficult days come because of sin and being distracted and having our desires in the wrong place. Become disobedient parents. Can I tell you something? I know all parents are not perfect. In fact, I know there's not a perfect parent. I am one. Three times. I'm not a perfect parent. I have to eat crow a lot and say, hey, whew, I didn't do so good on that one. I mess up every now and then. You ever messed up as a parent? Those of you who are parents? Let me tell you, if you're not a parent, it ain't as easy as it looks. I mean, these kids don't pop out with an instruction manual, and if they did and you read it, you'd forget it. And I mean, this is not easy stuff. Then you've got to make decisions on the fly, and you don't have all the information sometimes, and you don't always know the outcome. You do the best you can. But we're not perfect parents. But can I tell you this? God's Word says that we're to obey our parents. Imperfect as they are, we have a perfect Father in heaven. And I'm going to tell you, if we can't obey the earthly authority that God puts before us, it's going to be extremely difficult for us to obey the heavenly authority that is over it all. So we're called to be obedient to our parents. And he's saying, man, there's, in these, these last days, things are going to be difficult because people are going to be disobedient to parents. And if they're disobeying their parents, they're not even going to obey me. So it's going to go from bad to worse here. And, and he goes on and says, you know, not only that, they're, they're ungrateful, ungodly, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips. Lacking self-control in, in, the, in the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. He says the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The last of these, and, and it's all the fruit. It's not like you can have one or the other. This is the fruit. This, this explains the Spirit working in your life. Self-control. We, we need self-control in our life. But when our desires are not for God, but when our desires are for the things of this world, we lose self-control. We, we just find ourselves out of control and, and reckless, he says. Brutal. That's savagely violent. We see acts in our world today that are savagely violent. Why? Because people don't have a desire for God. They've got a desire for self and pleasing self instead of pleasing God. So they become savage. Violent people. Haters of good. There are people in this world that hate good. I hate evil. And we ought to hate evil. And the results of evil. But love people regardless of what they're doing. Love them. Hate the evil that is in their life. But, but there are people that hate good. And it's evident in our world. Treacherous. Betrayed and deceived. That's treacherous. So what treacherous? Reckless. This is without considering consequence. There are so many people that do what they want to do today, regardless of consequence. I'm not concerned about consequence. I'm concerned about the moment, how I feel right now. Life is about me. We've so built that environment. And what does God say about that? Through Paul speaking to Timothy, he says that's that's a misplaced desire. And it's going to bring an end that is not good. He says, so it's reckless. There are people that are reckless, conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I'm telling you, when we misplace our love, we misplace our identity. So we see that there, these things are unfolding. And it, it, the last thing of the 18 things that Paul calls out to Timothy, he says this. He says, Holding on to an empty form of godliness. Ladies and gentlemen, I was raised in a church. 
I, I, I was carried to church when I was, I, I believe I was there a couple weeks after I was born. I know what church, I was raised in Sunday school. I knew the answers to a lot of things. You ask me, Jesus was the first answer I'd give you. You know, it's always Jesus. That's the Sunday school answer. But I, I, could, I could, you know, play Bible Jeopardy pretty good, okay? But I did not have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Religion will not give you life eternal with the King. Religion is dead and useless. We can be religious people and say, man, I know, I checked my box, I brought my Bible, I read my lesson, I gave my tithe. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus where you have surrendered your life and said, Lord, I come off the throne and I put you there. And I come under your authority. I want you to Lord, be the Lord of my life. I want you to navigate my direction. I want to be your child, fully surrendered. I recognize my sin has distanced us. And I know you're the only one that can fix that, so I yield it to you. And I want a transformation in my life. If we don't come to that place in life, what we do is we become the Lord of our own life, and we make our own decisions, and we do our own thing, and, and we become these, these things that Paul's talking to Timothy about, saying, this is not good. This is, this is a form of godliness. It, it, you, can, you can look good to others and not be right with God. Hello? Well, you can. You can really look good. I mean, we can walk in here with a smile on our face, praise Jesus, I'm good, y'all good, and we can go about the day when you know sitting in the pew you're as far as, from Jesus as the east is from the west. We, we know how to act. It wasn't until I was 31 that I recognized there was a huge void in my life. And I was doing nothing more than practicing religion and self-seeking, self-serving. God wrecked my heart for Him. He changed my life. And I yielded everything I had to Him. I can stand here now. That was 15 years ago. If my math is right. No, that was 17 years ago. Wow, things are flying. 17 years ago. I can tell you this. I'd do it again. And again. And again. I've lost nothing, but I've gained everything. I've gained life with Christ eternal. Have I been perfect in the journey? Absolutely not. Have you been perfect in the journey? Absolutely not. But I've got a perfect God who loves me and his, who is redeeming my life and helping me walk away from the things of the flesh and the things, the desires that are misplaced and replacing those desires on Him. And that's what our life should be about. I just want to say that right now, God desires you. He desires you. A relationship with you. He longs for that. He, he's passionately pursued you. He's opened up all the resources of heaven to give you a relationship. Now, the only reason you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you're sitting here this morning and you don't, and you know whether you do or don't, the only reason you don't have one is because you have not surrendered. You've not, you've not accepted the free gift He gave. You've not been willing to... Yield your life to Him. Your desire is not for Him. Your desire is for the things of the world.
Misplaced desires end horribly, folks. I want to just keep reading in that because it says, after it says all that list of 18 things, it says, holding to a form of godliness, although they denied its power, avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter the households and captivate the weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. But he goes on and says that these are going from bad to worse. And, and it says there in verse 13, but evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived themselves. So th- that's what's happening when you misplace your desires. Your desires misplaced lead to deception, deception in your own life, deception of those around you, and you go from bad to worse. How many of you want to go from bad to worse today? Not a single one of you. That's like saying, how many of you want to finish last place? Nobody wants to finish last. You get a trophy today, okay? But you don't get a trophy in heaven if you finish last. I just want to be honest, all right? Are y'all all right? Okay. All right. I hit the trophy thing, didn't I? <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> all right. So it, when we look at this, we see that misplaced desires wind up misplacing our lives. God desires to have a personal relationship with you. He longs for that. He, he wants you to avoid the difficulty. And, and as we understand the love of God in creating you and, and, and what, witnessing your fall, but redeeming you by his own son, when we, we recognize it, we see that. I'm telling you, that's desirable for me. It's desirable for me to follow the God who created this universe, who loves me, who created me, Psalm 139, God intricately designed you in your mother's womb before your mother and father ever knew about it. He created you in his hearts for you, in his hearts for me. He sees you as extremely valuable, so much so he'd give his son to die for you. Now, I'm, I'm just telling you, sitting here today, I desire to be in a relationship with the God that desires me that much. I'm not going to be perfect about it. I'll miss the mark some. But my goal is to get better hitting it every day. Because that God is desirable. The God of this world goes from bad to worse. Ends up empty. How many of you ever did drugs, drank, whatever? Adulterous affairs. I mean, let's just go down the list of, of sin that we could have engaged in a lot. How much of that was truly fulfilling at the end of the day? You ended up down. I'm tired of ending up down. I want to end up. Don't you want to end up? I got tired of ending up down every day. I found that Jesus led me to a place where I ended up. He replaces the desires of this world when we desire Him. So, not only that, so our desires, He... Our desires are, are we're driven by our desires. We, we're led by our desires. We, as we walk through these desires of shifting from the desires of this world to the desires of His Word and Him, it, we're directed through discipleship. So the second point will be that we're directed through discipleship. We, verse 7 says they're always learning. This is talking about those who are following earthly desires, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So there's something there for us, folks. 
Paul's telling Timothy, he said, man, there are people in this world that are going to desire the things of this world. They're going to seek all the education they can get. They're going to go and study really hard, and, and they're going to learn a whole lot of stuff, but they're not going to be able to find the truth. Why could Paul say that? Well, he studied with some of the greatest of his day, led under the instruction of the greatest teachers of his day. See, Paul, Paul understood that as Saul was living the life that he lived pre his meeting Jesus on the Damascus Road. He was a well-trained dude, but he was misdirected. He didn't have truth. He met Christ on the Damascus Road. His life did a 180. He came under the discipleship of others to disciple him in the knowledge of Jesus. And then he became a disciple maker. And we see that he says, you know what, I, I know. I, I was led by some of the greatest teachers. I, I sought out the truth and found out it to be empty what I was looking for until I met Jesus and I found truth in God's Word. That's where truth came from. That's what gave me truth and the, the foundation for truth. He said, I understood it. So he, he, he shows us here what, what it's like to be discipled and, and be a disciple. He says, always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. So these men also opposed the truth. Men of depraved mind rejected in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus and Jammers' was fo uh, folly was also. Now, you followed my teaching. Listen to what Paul says. He says, he's state, stating here, I'm a discipler. Okay, he, he's laying down the foundation for Timothy. He said, I've been your discipler. I was discipled in God's Word, and it changed my understanding. I know where truth comes from now. I, I've grasped truth, and I was a discipler, or discipled, and now I'm a discipler I'm making. And he says, you're my disciple. He says, now you followed. So a disciple is a leader, and Timothy's following Paul. You followed my teaching. You followed my conduct. You followed my purpose. You followed the faith that I have. You followed the patience that I've exhibited. You followed the love that I've displayed. You followed the perseverance. You followed these things. You've seen it in my life. I'm a disciple maker. You've watched me. I've walked through this with you. I've led you to understand this, young Timothy. You've seen these things displayed in my life. Can I tell you something? A disciple maker, one who is discipled, disciples others. And don't forget, Jesus' command to us right before he left earth was, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I'm king, Lord, Lord of all, king of kings. I've got all the authority. Listen to me, he says. Go make disciples of all the nations. He didn't say go make church pew sitters. He didn't say go make good people. He said, go make disciples. What is a disciple? A follower of Christ, one who will surrender and come under the authority and study and seek truth in a relationship with Jesus. That's what he, that's what he called him to. He said, Timothy, you've done these things. You've followed me. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm, I'm following the model that Christ set before me. I'm, I'm discipling you. You've seen this at play in my life. You've seen the purpose. You've seen the faith. You've seen the perseverance. You've seen the things that I've gone through. In fact, he even says, he goes on to say, you've experienced the persecutions. 
He, he says there in, in verse 11, persecutions and suffering such as happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. So, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, get this, the Lord rescued me. What, a, what an amazing statement. He says, you witnessed all these things in my life. You saw what I went through. He goes on to say, if you walk with Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. Newsflash, the disciple maker was making a disciple, and he told him, you're going, to be, you're going to be persecuted. Life's not always going to be easy. It's not like you get saved and everything comes a bed of roses. You get your best life now. No, my best life's going to be in heaven. But, but right now, I've got one life to live and one life to give to Jesus. And as I live that life before him, Paul's saying, listen, I'm going to live that life. And if I get persecuted, I go through times of suffering and hard, hard turmoil and things that are not easy around me. It's okay. Because, see, I've been on the other side, he says. The Lord was with me through it all. And I did not die there. I didn't. It wasn't the end of me. I'm here to tell you about it. God's with us. When we focus on God, when we live our life for the King, when we surrender our will to His and, and come under Him and, and our desires are for Him and, and we're being discipled in the Word, what is we learn what it's like to live with Jesus and see Jesus living with us. He says, I've seen Christ in my own life is what he's saying here. He, he, he says, verse, right there, verse, 13, I mean, verse 11, the Lord rescued me. So we see that his, his discipleship led him to see, walking through discipleship, being discipled and being a disciple maker, led him to see Jesus was always with him. He rescued him. Verse 13, or verse 12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, but evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Verse 14 says, You, however... Catch this, church. I, I could spend an hour here. I don't have it. You, however, he says, have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them and what that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So we see Paul telling young Timothy here, and it's speaking to our hearts because all Scripture is profitable for us for training and correction and reproof and, and, and equipping us, he says right here, he says, however, continue in the things you have learned. What, how do we learn things if we don't study them? How we learn God's Word if we don't study God's Word? How many of you are studying? I mean, true students of God's Word, like your life depends on it. You're reading the Word of God to apply it to your life, to live more for Jesus. And if you're not, you can. I mean, we can't do anything about last year, but we can do something about the present reality in which we live in, and together we can go hard after Jesus. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. Jeremiah 29, 13 tells us that. So we can seek him, go hard after him, and we can find him. He says, you, you, you're going to learn things from me, becoming convinced of. I, I just want to talk about that for a minute. We learn things. It's not that we do mental gymnastics here and we read the Bible enough that we just, okay, I I agree with it. No, we learn that God is alive and well. We learn what His Word says. We apply it to our life, and we are convinced of it because we see God at work in our life and in the lives of others. Can I, I could stay here the rest of the day. I, I could spend the rest of the, I'd love to just spend the rest of the day telling you about all the times that, that when I faithfully followed God, He stepped in. 
and proved himself. I mean, that he was evident in my life and evident in other people's lives. I, I've seen the hand of God at work. I'm not, I'm not convinced mentally because I had to do some kind of mental gymnastics to be convinced. I'm convinced because I've got evidence of God working in my life and the lives of others. So I stand here before you today, and if you've lived with Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to Him, if your desires are for Him, and you've been discipled, and you're trying to apply that to your life, you see God at work. And if you're not, then it's because you're not. It's because your life's focused on other things, and you're looking at worldly things, and your desires are for the things of this world and not the things of God. But when we put our sights on Jesus, when we desire Him, we go hard after Him, we study His Word. His Word comes to life in our life. I'm, I'm not just, just convinced. I think that's a, a mild word in the translation. I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm in awe of the presence and evidence of God when we focus our desires on Him. Are y'all all right? I'm excited up here. I'm afraid y'all gone to sleep. The TV audience is rearing back and hollering right now. All right, so as we look at this text, we see that they're convinced. He says you're convinced of knowing from whom you've learned them and that from childhood you've known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom. See, when we read Scripture, we can get wisdom. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. Word of God brings wisdom, godly wisdom. There's two kinds of wisdom, ladies and gentlemen. There's earthly wisdom and there's heavenly wisdom. And I need heavenly wisdom. God offers us heavenly wisdom here. And, and he tells us that, that we gain that wisdom which leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So we have faith in Christ and, and, and we have salvation through him and we gain wisdom. So we see that in this text. So we have now understood, I hope as we walk through this together, Desire and where your desire is matters. We're directed by our desires. I hope you understand that um, we're in need of being discipled in God's Word. When we have a desire for God and we learn in His Word and we're discipled, it automatically points us and points our life to be devoted to Him. First, devoted in surrender. And next, devoted in our service. God wants us to devote our life to him. You say, where is that in the passage? See, he says, so that. You may be saying, so what? Here it says, so that, so that the man of God may be adequate. I told you, we're inadequate apart from the work of God in our life. So we're adequate when we have God's Word at play in our life. And he goes on and says, equipped for every good work. We can be equipped. See, we, we're equipped to serve. When we're discipled in God's Word and our desire is for Jesus, our life then moves to being a man or a woman with a passionate heart for Jesus, desiring for their life to count for Christ and serving Him. I, I, I tell you, folks, we, we need to recognize the, the profitability of God's Word at play in our life. We need to... We recognize the value of correction, reproof, training in righteousness, teaching that comes from God's Word. And then we need to apply it to our life and go and serve God faithfully throughout our life. Because knowing God leads us to desire God.
We know God when we study His Scripture, when we, when we allow the Scriptures to disciple us. And we set our desires for God and on the things of God, not the things of this world. And, and, and we move hard after living for Jesus. We devote our life to serve. Now, as we enter into a new year as a church family, we walk together down this journey. Yeah, you, you may be here today and, and you're like, man, I see it. My desires have been misplaced. I, I, gotta, I need to realign my desires. It's time for me to set my sights on Jesus. And I've been desiring the things of the flesh. I can see that when I look at that list of 18, man, that's all me or some of that's me. A lot of that's me. I've just had my desires in the wrong place. And I've I got to really focus. And I, I need to come under God's Word and be discipled this year. And I, I need to focus in and change my desires. I want a desire for God. I, I hope as a church that as I desire God more, you desire God more, that desire will be recognized by others and more be drawn to God to desire Him. So our lives desire Him and we devote ourselves to serve Him. You know, if you're here today, though, and, and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, well, there's no better way to start a new year than to say, I'm, I'm going to yield my life to Jesus today. I want to come under His Lordship. I'm stepping off the throne. I've been seeking the wrong desires. I've been, been doing the wrong things. I've been focused on the wrong, in the wrong place. I'm, I'm going hard after Jesus now. And, and you come to Christ this morning. And maybe you're like, man, I need to entrust this, this to, to this church. I need to entrust to this church my life to be a part and devote my life to serve right here. This is where God's calling me. We've got a lot of decisions we can make in this room. But I just want you to know that we're going to have a time of invitation right here, right now. And I'm going to pray for you. And this is your time to respond to God's Word. You, you can respond right now. God's speaking to you. It may mean that you sit there and you say a prayer. And, Lord Jesus, I, I, I need to live more for you. And I want you. I, I truly desire you. Increase the desire that I'm having right now even greater as I journey through this time with you. Whatever it is that God's doing in your life. Let's respond to God in this time. So if you will stand with me, and, uh, and, and I'm going to have a prayer, and then Bill and I are going to be up front. If you want to come talk to us, we'd love to come talk. We'd love for you to come talk to us, share with us what's going on in your life. We'd love to pray with you. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you, God, that your word never returns void. You're doing a work in our life. Lord, help us to focus our desire on you. Surrender and submit to discipleship and your word. And then devote our lives to serve you fully. Move in our hearts now. Show us how we need to respond to your message to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Softly and tenderly, Jesus.
please pray with me. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the beautiful day you've given us, and we thank you for this new year. And with this new year comes many challenges and opportunities. We have opportunities to desire you more fully, to disciple others, devote ourselves to serving you, and we pray as we go throughout this year that our walk with you will grow stronger. As we collect the gifts and ties that will soon be to collect, we pray, Father, that these will be used to bring others to know you and experience the joy that we get from knowing you and our relationship with you. So we lift these up. We pray these in our precious Savior, Jesus' name. Amen.